Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. There are nearly 20 million military vets in the U.S. And each week, we focus on their stories. This is CBS Ion Veterans. Welcome to CBS Ion Veterans. I'm Navy Vet Phil Briggs, reporting for ConnectingVets.com, the military news and veteran lifestyle website. Now, we're going to this week stand at the intersection of military vets and politics, but not the overhyped cable network news spun version of politics or that partisan panic mongering that seems to exist every single day. In a year where political frustrations ignite protests, turn violent, and recently have had deadly consequences, like the riots at the Capitol on January 6th. It seems like too many Americans distrust how our leaders are even getting elected. So we'll hear how some are calling for veterans to assist in U.S. elections in every state and quite possibly save our faith in the election process. Earlier this week on Tuesday, the organization We the Veterans Foundation hosted a press conference announcing their new initiative, Vet the Vote. They're looking for over 100,000 vets to stand up and get involved in the election process. Now, I recently spoke with Vet the Vote Executive Director, Navy spouse, and Coast Guard granddaughter, Ellen Gustafson. She's a force behind the We the Veterans Foundation, as well as the Vet the Vote initiative. Ellen, welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. And we were joined by retired General George Casey, a retired four-star general who served as the 36th U.S. Army Chief of Staff on the Joint Chiefs of Staff, where he advised the National Security Council, the Secretary of Defense, and the President of the United States. And General Casey, good to have you. Thank you, Phil. I think we can both kind of look at this week and say, you know, pick any real week this last year. We've seen the political theater just get crazier and crazier. Before we talk about how we're going to fix it and what you guys are calling for with Vet the Vote, um, Share with me your thoughts on the military veterans' involvement in politics and kind of just you, you, just the cut of your jib. Let's start with you, General. Okay. For 41 years in, in the military, uh, I, I worked very hard to, to remain apolitical. 
we, we take an oath uh, to the Constitution of the United States, not to any person or, or the party. And that, that, that is ingrained in, in all of us in the military. Uh, as, as I left the military, uh, I, I felt that, that I still had something to give and I wanted to stay involved, but I, but I, I didn't want to go political, if you will. Because as a, as a former member of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, um, I, I don't, you know, I don't speak for, for myself. People, people attach meaning to, to, to what it was I say. So I, I, I didn't want to do that. And, and so I started thinking about it and I said, I'm going to sign up to be an election poll worker in Arlington, Virginia, where, where I live and, and vote. And, and I did. And it's, it's a fairly simple process. It's all, it's all online. I did it myself. Um, and, and, and I'm appointed for basically an election cycle. Uh, and they notify you about uh, uh, six weeks in advance. And then you have to do your training and, and you sign up and do it. Um, I didn't get called for the primaries in Virginia, which were today. Um, but, but I expect I'll get called for the general election in, in November. So it's, it's just my way of trying to remain apolitical, but also to, to, to give back and, and support uh, our democratic uh, election process. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I get your thoughts quickly on just a guy in your position? You know, you've been chief of staff. You've been joint chiefs of staff. How do you feel when you see on either network, really pick any alphabet letter network, but, but what goes through your mind when you see some of your former colleagues up there with the two stars and the three stars, does that get under your skin? Do you ever wish your former, your former colleague would just zip it and let the pundits do political theater? Um, and I think, I think you need to, Phil, you need to differentiate between the ones that are out there talking about uh, military things like what's going on in the Ukraine and things like that. And, and, and those that, that have been have associate themselves with political parties. It's a personal choice. And, and if that's what they choose to do, that's what they choose to do. I think it's important for people at our level uh, to, to remain apolitical. A you know, the other thing, and I thought hard about this so that over the last election, I got a lot of requests to, to get involved with the political part, one political party or another. And, you know, and I, and I just said, you know, if, if, I, if I was to speak out and, to, and support a particular national level candidate, um, who really cares what George Casey, the person, thinks, you know? And I'd be maybe at best a one-day wonder and, and, and done. So it just didn't, and, and, and if I did that, I'd make the job harder for my successors as the army chief and other folks uh, on the joint chief, because they would be seen as political. And, and then we have a apolitical purpose in our country for, for a reason, because people can't look at our military advice and say, oh, I just, they're just doing that for political reasons. Military advice and political advice aren't the same things. Ellen, let's jump in real quick. Uh, Navy spouse, uh, military in your family for generations. Share with me a little bit about your thoughts on kind of where we are, military veterans, politics today. Um, Specifically, I noticed that on uh, wetheveterans.us, the website, uh, there was an article back in April regarding the three existential threats to U.S. elections. Are there existential threats that we should be aware of right now that can put elections in jeopardy? Yeah, I would say, you know, as an answer to your bigger picture question, 
I feel so lucky as a military spouse to live in one of the, I would say, rare parts of American civil society that are mixed. I have friends who have a lot of different political opinions. I see Facebook posts and Instagram posts with a lot of different political opinions. What an incredible benefit I have over the vast majority of Americans who live in an entire bubble on social media and whatever media channel happens to be on in their home or their, the places where they watch it. So, so I feel incredibly lucky and I want to maintain that. But I think the, the, the only existential threat is not, not just one party or another. It's norms being broken. It's hundreds of years of norms being discarded or broken. And it's the civility that always was a norm in American politics somehow going out the window. And so that's something that we as an organization, we the veterans, feel incredibly strong about. It's civility. It's norms. It's not one party or another. It's not a candidate or non or you know, someone that we don't really like. It's not that at all. It's norms. And that's what we're passionate about with engaging veterans and military family members to be poll workers. It's to be on the ground, seeing the norms and maintaining the norms that have allowed us to have an incredible, incredible democracy and be essentially the shining city on the hill um, that we're all proud to, to support for all of these these generations. Follow up question to that then uh, would be the article that I read uh, with, again, this is we the veterans U.S., it had noted three sort of pillars that said these threats, you know, are built on. Uh, one was the exodus of election officials. So it sounds like we're getting ready yep. to talk about that with a call for veterans to be poll workers, manipulated elections and inadequate funding. Share with me a little bit about what you guys foresee as manipulating elections. We're not talking about digital machinery being manipulated here, but uh, expand a little bit on that. Yeah, I mean, I think, look, the, the, the number one existential crisis, as we noted, is a lack of this incredible thing that we do in America, which is that individual citizens volunteer. Now, they're often paid, but they sign up, they volunteer, they raise their hand, just like people in the military do, to work at their local elections. They get some training, they have to follow a whole stricture of norms and rules, and they do the job to make sure the elections happen well. Due to the last couple of election cycles, especially with COVID, many of those volunteers, again, people who are paid, but we, we're referring to them as volunteers, like military volunteers, have chosen not to continue in the role. I mean, I, I, I always joke about this, but I say it respectfully that whenever I've gone to vote, it's like my grandma and her friends who are the election workers. And if I'm sorry, General Casey, easy there, easy, easy. <laughs> but, 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 the, but the point is, I think most Americans can resonate with that. Now, that. This is just a this is just a fact of of the last couple of years that a lot of those people were, were nervous about doing the job, interfacing with many people in light of covid. And that was a scary thing for American election officials, because if they don't have the volunteers, they have to maybe close polling stations. They don't don't have the, the physical manpower to, to do all the jobs. They relied more on fewer people to do the work and the work got done. Our elections, the last you know election cycle were still the, the best uh, elections that America has ever run. Now, the next existential crisis is the idea that people don't believe that. And when I say believe that, I'm referring to this really nerve wracking, broken norm of media environments where there's a lot of mis and disinformation. And despite 
information to the contrary saying, oh, no, actually, the elections were great. They were fine. No one, no ballots were snuck in the back door. People truly believe that the elections themselves have been compromised. That norm, that bedrock that we've all agreed with, hey, somebody wins, somebody loses and we move on. That is shaky and that is really scary. That's exactly what we're targeting with the Vet the Vote campaign. Yeah, to, to me, if I can just jump on that, the, it's, it's the faith in the election process itself that, that is the greatest existential threat uh, that, that we're facing right now. When half the country doesn't believe the last, last election were free and fair, uh, I mean, we, we have some work to do. Yeah, and I think it's safe to say that we all drink from a dangerous well, and that is the advent of social media, whether it's Insta, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Twitter, um, our massive consumption. And as you opened with Ellen, uh, you know, very smartly, you know, you live in a family where you've got red and blue on each side and some neutrals and maybe some don't give a dams thrown in there. But I mean, you've got this complex group of friends, but there are people out there living in vacuum tubes where they only source their information or they only get information from one place or a certain friend group on Facebook. It is kind of a damn shame that it makes us not trust a process that was created for us. So let's go ahead and dive into now vet the vote. And uh, let's start with you, General, the 30,000 foot view, vet the vote. Well, let me, let me put that over to Ellen. Sure. I'm Fair happy enough. to, happy to jump in. Yeah. So Big picture is the, the the number we learned from actually one of the an incredible conversation with a fellow military spouse, Secretary of State of Michigan, Jocelyn Benson. She said to us on, a, on an early call as we were thinking about these issues, you know, it, it, I think there is a need for 100,000 more people across the United States to fill these critical role of, of being election poll workers. And, you know, that number, we, we, it lit us on fire because we said, wow, what an opportunity. There are 17 million veterans in America and then all of their families up to, it's, I think the number is around 30 million with all of this expansive group of, of patriotic, rule following good Americans who want our elections to be secure because that's exactly what these people and their families sacrificed for and fought for, right? Is that our democracy lives and is, is healthy and is secure. So what better group of Americans to fill that important void. If we do have that 100,000 you know, person gap filled, we can be sure yet again that our elections will continue to be uh, as, as, as free and fair as they always have been, but also that the individual poll workers who are doing those jobs are not overworked and they're not exhausted by the end of the day. And, and that, that's, you know, this is what we as, as a community of military family members and veterans are great at, right, is coming in when the jobs are hard and just getting them done. But we're also really good at following rules. We're also really good at putting democracy and patriotism above party and above candidate. And that's, that's why we think what an incredible group of people to, to take on this opportunity and what an incredible new way to serve. And I think back to an interview I did some time ago, um, gosh, might've even been over a year ago, but there was a, a veteran individual, can't recall his name, but he went all the way from Virginia beach to Philadelphia, but he wanted to make sure there was no tomfoolery and no shenanigans and, and uh, walked around the streets of Philadelphia packing Outside a polling station, somebody gets spooked and said there's a dude with a gun walking around the building. And the next thing you know, he's locked up crying foul play that it's all politically fueled. And I'm like, dude, if you would just signed up to go do something in your own backyard, you might not have been put in the clink for strolling around playing, uh, you know, playing Clint Eastwood outside. 
General, tell me what it was like when you were an election poll worker. What did you do? I, I signed up and I have not been called. The first one I could have been eligible to be called for was today. What was the uh, the primaries in Virginia? Um, so so you, when you get appointed, I mean, I signed up some months ago. You get appointed for an election cycle. I think it kind of runs March to, to, to June the next year. So I'm, I'm, I'm lined up to support elections through June of, of 2023. But I'll tell you, um, I've been involved with running elections in Bosnia, in Kosovo, and, and Iraq. And when, when you see the level of detail that, it, that people go through to make sure that the election is as free and fair as it can be, you know, it's a great, it was a great reminder to me not to take what we do here in this country for granted. And, and if if you think about it, I mean, a lot of, a lot of us just, we go to the polling station, we we walk right through, we do our votes and, and, and we're gone. But, but you don't even think about what it takes to, to set that process up in a way that's one efficient, but, but it's also um, fair. And, and you know, what I said, we have about half the, little less than half the country right now doesn't think the last election was free and fair. We, we we have some work to do. Did they give you training at all? Or, Ellen, can you speak to this? Like, like what's the training for an election poll worker? Because I think it's a novel idea to say, yeah, hey, everybody that's certainly a veteran, we all enjoyed, you know, serving. If asked to serve, am I just simply at the door, uh, holding the door for people as a fire exit protection? Or am I literally, you know, looking at the ballots and making sure, remember that hanging chads or what was it during the Bush election season? I mean, does the election poll worker make a difference? Yeah. So so here's the amazing thing and the incredibly complicated thing about American democracy. Everyone loves having local officials and local power and 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 local governance, right? And we have incredibly localized election systems. So each jurisdiction that you sign up through with your zip code when you go through the process of becoming a poll worker has totally different uh sets of processes for who can who can do the job and what training is required. In Virginia Beach, for example, where we're currently stationed, you have a day of training that you also get paid for, just like your day of of uh, poll working on the election day. There are other jobs that you can do that are that involve counting overseas ballots. Again, those are often coming from military members. Um, but but there's it's it's an incredible thing that we have these local 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 systems. Uh, there's there's 3000 counties across America that each have a different way to do it. But it's really frustrating when you're a national uh, the, sort of the, 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 the organizations that are charged with running the, the elections nationally are very much working directly with these localities to make sure everyone has the people that they need and everyone has the systems in place that they've chosen to have. The systems are different. The amount of people needed are different. What they call people is different. We've learned in, in doing this work that the, the great state of Minnesota has actually way more election workers than they need, whereas there are some states like Michigan and Ohio that are really high-need states that, that are going to need more folks coming out uh, up in the upcoming 2022 midterms. So it's very cool that America runs this way, and it's probably very frustrating because of so many things we're used to being uh, super national. 
and we could go on and on and on. I mean, I don't even get me started on electoral college or how come we can't vote at Home Depot and Walmart yet? Right. You know, I've oh, totally. Go to some random elementary school that I don't even know where the heck it is. Like once every two years, because that's and the thing is mailed my... to you, and it's like comes in a card, and you probably threw it away, and then yeah, and the websites are not awesome because there's no funding for the websites. So again, I mean, look, this is. This is the challenge with a highly federal system where the states and the jurisdictions, I think there are 176, over 176,000 precincts um, across our country. And I mean, that's incredible. And it works. And it runs on humans, right? Elections run on human beings. And Americans actually really do care about keeping our democracy free and fair. Let, let, let's bring that positive patriotism back to the table and assume that we do all care. And if you, and if you want to see it for yourself, sign up, vet the dot vote. Uh, and if you're a veteran or a military family member, if you're a military kid in some states, 16 to 18 year old uh, youth can become poll workers even before they can vote. There's an, this is an incredible way to serve. I like it. With the Vet the Vote initiative, if enough veterans get involved, is the second order effect here that we're hoping for to say, like, listen, forget some of the trash, some of the memes, some of the garbage, some of the incendiary talk that you see on TV and on social media. It, if you roll up your sleeves and get involved, you don't have to worry about that noise. You don't have to worry about that stupid half-witted article that somebody just kind of thread together on one or two random out-of-context facts. If you get involved, you'll just know how the deal works. And thus, we don't have people getting inflamed, charged, and then creating deadly situations where they just don't trust their government. Well, that's the double entendre that we are we 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 love about the name of this campaign, Vet the Vote, right? We want to get veterans there to help with the vote. We want veterans and military family members to vet the vote for the rest of the country and to be that trusted voice that is there on the ground seeing, hey, this is actually what I saw in my precinct. This is actually the norms that were maintained by the old ladies I worked with. And 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 to to you know get back to a, a, an understanding that good patriotic Americans are there to make sure this works well. And the most trusted group of Americans is it was was in the mix. And you can you can believe you can bet that that they were were making sure that everything was running smoothly and and that, you know, we can get back to the norms of fighting about different you know policy ideas, which is really important in our democracy. It's really important. General Casey, if I could, you've motivated led troops for decades. Share with me, you know, why a career military retiree wants to get involved and really should trust this system enough to go become part of it. Because it is, it's such an essential part of our democracy. And, and the fact that almost half the country doesn't trust it, it, it is, is something that, that I, I felt personally responsible to get involved in. And, and since really since I, I, I retired from the active military, uh, I, I've been focused on trying to encourage veterans to, to get involved at the at the local level, at the community level, at the state level, at the national level, to continue to give back, as you said earlier, um, you know it's kind of in our DNA. You know, we we volunteered. You know, next next June, a year from now, will be the fiftieth anniversary of the all volunteer force. Think about that. For, for the last fifty years, every man and or woman who's come into the military has has volunteered, and. 
I've actually <laughs> have a book coming out tomorrow uh, called uh, Sustaining Veterans After 50 Years of a Volunteer Force and 20 Years at War. And it's it, it's designed to cause people to to look forward and say, how should we think differently about veterans issues after 50 years of volunteer force and, and 20 years of war? But I think the most important thing for me that relates back to this is, you know, when you think about veterans, especially these veterans of the volunteer force, they, they bring so much back into society. And they're important factors that we need throughout our society, and they're especially important uh, in, in poll workers. And I appreciate both your perspectives on this. If you don't trust the process, you don't like the process, well, then go be part of the process. And then you got an inside scoop. So with that, uh, I just appreciate talking to you, General George Casey and uh, Ellen Gustafson. Uh, again, tell me the website and where I get more information about all of this. Yeah, vetthe.vote is the website and it's really easy. Um, you know, you put in your, your, your zip code basically. And we, uh, through our partnership with power of the polls, which is a simplified way to get down to your precinct, get all the information you need. And then, like I said, it's, it's often a paid job. So this is a, a something it's, it's similar to the military. You volunteer, right? You've got to step up and say, I'm going to take this time, but, but often you get compensated for that day. And there's great programs happening um, across the country uh, with many employers that are offering paid time off, you know, business and veterans that are not politicians, that are not the media. You know, these are two two groups that also want to see norms restored and to get back to debating policies, which we desperately need. Right. We, we need work done. We don't need to fight over have our incredibly trusted elections all of a sudden become, uh, you know, not functioning. No, we need to fight over, you know, can we make sure that schools stay open if there's another pandemic? I mean, that's the kind of thing I as a mother, that's what I want to see us arguing about. I don't want to see us arguing about the fact that our elections are actually the best in the world. All right. You don't like the score of the game? Join the damn team. I like it. Vet the vote. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Get one of the most successful broadcasts in television history on your schedule with the 60 Minutes Podcast. Hard-hitting investigative reports, news, and culture maker interviews, and in-depth profiles are waiting for you in every episode. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.